A little boy was playing baseball one day, and a man came up to him and asked him what the score of the game was. The little boy responded and said, we are losing 18 to 0. And the man said, I bet you're pretty discouraged. And the little boy looked a little bit puzzled, and he responded, and he said, why should I be? My team hasn't even gotten up to bat yet. <laughs> Sometimes it's a matter of perspective. Do we dwell on what is presently true, or do we see our circumstances on what could be? You know, the little boy wasn't too discouraged about the current reality of losing pretty badly because he had a positive, he had a, a hopeful outlook that when his team got up to bat, the result would change for the better. Claire Booth is quoted as saying, there are no hopeless situations. There are only men and women who have grown hopeless about them. There are no hopeless situations. There are only men and women who have grown hopeless about them. And so how do we react? How do we view our circumstances, especially when things do not go as planned? Do we toss in the towel? Do we just give up? Do we complain? Do we just point the finger? Or do we persevere. We get down in the dirt and we continue to look for and to believe that better days are ahead. Now, if I'm being honest, initially when things do not go as planned, I tend to dwell on the negative. I tend to expect the worst case scenario that's, that typically results in little to no hope. And I'm not expecting any good to come from the situation. But I'm thankful for my wife, Mariah, who, who challenges me to have a, a different outlook on the situation. Maybe a more positive outlook that good can come from the situation. And it results in having some hope to believe and to trust that God has a plan and God has a purpose. And it's this idea that our circumstances shouldn't affect our hope, but our hope can affect how we view our circumstances. Our circumstances shouldn't affect our hope, but our hope can affect how we view our circumstances. It's this idea that hope isn't circumstantial. Hope isn't just a brief emotion. But for the Christian, true hope is found in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus and where we place our hope. We believe that Jesus doesn't change, and we also believe that he can change our situation. And so we put our hope in Jesus because where we put our hope, we believe that he can help us view our circumstances from a more positive and hopeful outlook because we believe God is in control. You see, for the Christian, we put our trust and our hope in God because we believe that God is able to bring good from any situation. Romans 8.28, God works all things out for good for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. And there are many examples in the Bible in which God brought really good from really bad situations. We can see it in the book of Exodus by a man named Joseph. You know, Joseph had the, the coat of many colors. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was thrown down into a pit. He was thrown into prison. He was wrongfully mistreated, and I'm sure he thought that his life was over. 
But I believe that he probably had some hope and he trusted in the Lord, even though his circumstances didn't look too good. And later on, we're able to see that he actually came up into a position of number two of all of Egypt, just underneath Pharaoh. And later on, when he had the opportunity to confront his brothers that sold him into slavery and threw him into a pit, he said this. He said this to them in Genesis 50, 20. He said, you intended to harm me, but God meant it for good, the saving of many souls. And it's this idea that when God is involved, there are no hopeless situations, but hopeful solutions. When God is involved, when we put our trust and when we believe in Him, there are no hopeless situations, but we believe there are hopeful solutions found in Him who is able to do the impossible. And so today we're talking about hope, specifically the hope that God provides. And that whatever you are experiencing, there is hope, there is strength, there is perspective, there is a new peace, there is joy found in the Lord that God can get us through really difficult and confusing situations. And so before we go any further, let's talk a little bit about hope. What is hope? Is hope just a wishful thinking? Is it a wish upon a star? You know, I, I hope that the plow comes by, that I can, you know, get out of my driveway. I hope that I don't run out of gas. I hope that I pass this test that I didn't study for. <laughs> is that what hope is? Well, that's not what the Bible talks about hope. A biblical definition of hope is a confident expectation. Anything that is unknown or unclear to us but known to a powerful and merciful God. Anything that is unknown or unclear to us, but it's known to God. You see, biblical hope speaks of something that is certain, but maybe not fully realized in our life just yet. For the Christian, we know that what saves a person is putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we know that when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, that when we pass on from this life, we will spend eternity with Him. We know that to be true, but we haven't fully experienced that just yet. It's a confident expectation that I will spend eternity with God in heaven. You see, hope is rooted in faith, demonstrated trust. It is a trustful hope in God. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance, confident expectation of what we do not see. You see, for the Christian, hope is, our next slide, hope is confidence that God is in control and that God has a plan. For the Christian, hope is confidence. We can take it to the bank. It's confidence. God is in control. And God has a plan ultimately for my good. Are you overwhelmed? Tired? Confused? Sad? There is a true lasting hope that is available to everyone and will not deplete during hard and difficult times, but we believe can sustain and flourish in our life. The Apostle Paul experienced this hope many years ago. 
And he prayed that the church in Rome would experience this hope, that they would overflow with hope as they put their trust in Jesus. And so our passage of Scripture is found in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a prayer of blessing that the Apostle Paul is praying for the Christians living in Rome many years ago. And he's talking about how God is the source and the giver of hope. He is the one who actually fills us. And Paul prayed that they would be filled with all of this hope. And we understand in this passage of Scripture that there is a quantity to hope, joy, and peace. And if we want to experience more hope, joy, and peace to overflow in our life, it requires us to trust Him more. To trust Him more. You see, I'm thankful to be part of a church family that heavily emphasizes the word hope. Heavily emphasizes the word hope. If you're here in person, you know, either at our Kentville or our Kingston location, you can see that we have a hope sign in our lobby, and that's just not for decoration. But we believe that God has commissioned us to tell people about Jesus, for people to light a light bulb, which is representing them putting their trust and their hope in Jesus. And Jesus said of himself in John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, whoever trusts me, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, in the Bible, light is a revealer, it's a comfort, it's a guide, it's a symbol of holiness, and it's associated with being hopeful. By contrast, darkness is, is, is associated with evil, sin, despair, being hopeless. It's a dark place. And Jesus describes himself as light that shines hope into the darkness of this world. There is a better, more fulfilling way to live found in Jesus. So, are you or someone that you know in a dark place, without hope, without light? Do you find that maybe you have little to no hope in this season of COVID? Have you maybe turned to people or substances to fill the void only to be let down? Maybe you have some optimism. Maybe you have some, you know, better days are ahead, but you have some lingering doubts and questions. Well, today, there is a tremendous reason to be optimistic and hopeful, because our first point is this, true hope is found in God. True hope is found in God. Remember, hope is the anticipation of better days ahead, both in the present and to look forward to in the future. And I think all of us can understand that our hope is not rooted in the government. Our hope is not rooted in people or places or things. The reason being is because objects break, substances run out, 
people disappoint and people also pass away. But true hope is found in God because God's Word reminds us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He does not break. He doesn't run out. And God doesn't pass away. He is real and we can experience His hope today. Our hope is rooted in God because we believe God is able to provide better days. And notice how Paul describes God at the beginning of verse 13. In his prayer of blessing, he reminds his readers that may the God of hope. He describes that this is God's title. This is a right description of who God is. This word hope comes from the Greek word elpis, which means confidence and an expectation to anticipate what is good. Paul uses this title to remind his readers that God is both the source of hope and he's also the object of our hope. He's the source of hope and he's also the one that we look to for our hope. You know, God's character and his thinking is hopeful. He has a positive outlook. He is always expecting the very best. God gives hope. He inspires optimism. He inspires an, you know, a positive outlook for his children. You see, hope is both a gift from God and it's also the natural result of trusting in him. You see, true hope is found in God because we believe God will keep his word. We believe God will keep his word. And in a world that makes empty promises, in a world that's not afraid to lie, share partial truths, we can find hope in God because he's powerfully able to do what he said. Psalm 147.5 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. And I wonder if one of the reasons why we have such a hard time, you know, trusting people, being skeptical and cynical, is because we've been lied to so many times by people in positions of authority. We've been lied to so many times by people in positions of authority. So that's why we take people maybe at a grain of salt. We, we hold them at arm's length. We don't fully trust them because we expect that they're probably not going to follow through on their word. People like, not to embarrass anyone, but politicians, leaders, coaches, maybe even parents, teachers, and unfortunately pastors at times too. A number of years ago, someone um, spoke very rudely to me, and, and I remember thinking about the whole situation, and I remember talking about it with Mariah, and, and I was just really just down, down in my spirit. I was really crushed. Um, I was really hurt um, by the words that this person said. And at that time, I went to the leader, um, someone that I trusted, and I told them about the whole experience. And, you know, they were very sympathetic and understanding. And they indicated that they were going to talk to the person. You know, they were going to talk to the person, you know, kind of, you know, uh, have my back and kind of just, you know, set some boundaries. I released that concern and I trusted that the leader was going to follow through on their word. Unfortunately, I know that the conversation never actually happened. 
I know that the conversation never actually happened, and the leader didn't keep their word. As a result, I had little hope in the leader and trust that they were going to do what was right. Why do I share that? I share that not to embarrass the leader, but failing to keep our word indicates a character problem and it devalues other people. Failing to keep our word indicates a character problem and it devalues others. Every time that we don't follow through on our word, it negatively affects us. An attitude of pride. My time's more important. I said I was going to do this, but something else came up, and so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take care of what I want to do. And it affects how other people view us. It devalues other people, and people start to think that we're not very trustworthy. You see, keeping our word is linked to trust. You see, we can put our hope in God because our confidence is in His faithfulness to keep His word. We can put our hope in God because our confidence is in His faithfulness to keep His word. God is 100% dependable and trustworthy. We read it earlier um, in our worship segment in Psalm 145, 13. The Lord is trustworthy in all He promises, and He's faithful in all that He does. And how much clearer can God's Word get in Hebrews 6.18 where it says, it is impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie. One of the examples of God's faithfulness to keep His Word is in the life of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. And God promised Abraham, you know, many promises. He promised that Abraham would develop and he would grow into a great nation. His name would become great and that he would have many descendants. And Abraham saw many of God's promises come true. The promised land and he saw many descendants. But the book of Hebrews gives insight to Abraham's character and waiting for God to keep his word. Hebrews 6.15 says, After waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. After waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. This word patience comes from the Greek word makrothomeo, which means long-suffering, forbearance, in, to endure, to not lose heart, to not lose hope, which also includes not retaliating in anger when God doesn't come through like how we think that he should. God, you said you were going to do this, and I've been waiting. Where are you? Oh, heck with you, God. I'm just going to get involved, and I'm just going to do my own thing. But that's not what Abraham did. Scripture reminds us that after waiting patiently, Abraham needed to be patient in his situation and during his struggles while waiting for God to fulfill his promise. God's promises are always fulfilled in his time and in his way. Therefore, if we have a hard time waiting on God, maybe we need to ask ourselves this question. 
Whose will are we seeking to please? Whose will are we seeking to please? Is it ours? Or do we truly desire to pursue and to follow God's will for our life? And I've often heard it said like this. Sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. Sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. And so what does this mean for us today? Well, here's some hope. When we put our trust and our hope in God, Scripture reminds us that we will be helped. Scripture reminds us that we will be helped. I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and of earth. Those who put their hope in God experience his power to deliver, to protect, to provide, or maybe his strength to persevere through uncertainty, an opportunity to grow in our character of putting our trust and our faith in him, which produces hope. Those who put their hope in God will be helped. B, those who put their hope in God, Scripture reminds us, will not be disappointed either. Romans 5, 5 says, And hope, Jesus, our trust, does not lead to disappointment. Hope does not lead to disappointment. Those who put their hope in God will never ultimately be disappointed or let down. God's help may not come in the time or manner in which we expect, but when it does come, it's always exactly what we needed. It's always exactly what is needed. And see, those who put their hope and their faith in God are bold in their faith. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, God, we are very bold. We are very bold. And you see, boldness is tied to our convictions and our beliefs. We can only be bold about something if what we believe is true. We can only be as bold as what we believe that what we are building our life upon is true and we are convinced of it. Those who put their hope in God can be bold and say things like this, God will help me in his time and in his way and that is more than enough for me. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And so I can step out in faith and be bold because God is with me. It's this idea that it's our foundation that keeps us from crumbling. It's our foundation that keeps us from crumbling. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 7, 24 to 27, about the wise and the foolish builder. Those who not only listen to what Jesus says, but also apply it to their life. When we put our hope and our trust in God and believe that he is faithful, he is trustworthy, God will keep us from a state of hopeless despair. He'll keep us from a mindset of hopeless despair because we're not just wishful thinking. We're not just wishing upon a star and just, you know, putting it out in the air that, you know, better days are ahead. No, but we're confidently, confidently expecting 
that God is working out a plan ultimately for our good. And so who do you put your hope in? Who do you put your hope in? For those who put their hope in God, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Our second point is this. God is faithful. He keeps his word. And if we want to experience that all he has for us, hope is experienced as we trust in God. Hope is experienced as we trust in God. You see, trust is a firm belief in the reliability, the strength, the, the truth of someone or something. We're putting you know, our trust in the chair that we're sitting in that it's not going to break, that they had the ability to put that chair together and to hold us. In the Bible, faith and trust are interchangeable. Faith and trust are interchangeable. Trusting God isn't just wishful thinking or based upon no evidence. God asks us to trust him in three areas. To trust his ability, his character, and his promise. God asks us to trust him in three areas. His ability, his character, and his promise. And when we do, we have hope for a brighter future. God's ability. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We believe God is omnipotent. He has limitless resources. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can call ten thousands of angels at his disposal. He healed a man named, man named Lazarus who was dead in the grave for four days. He protected three young boys who were standing up for their faith and their trust in Jesus. And when they were thrown into a fire, they did not burn and they came out unharmed. We believe that God is able to provide. He, provi he provided food for more than 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and fish. We believe God has the ability to do the supernatural. But God's character, too. It's one thing to have faith in someone that is strong and has the ability to provide better days. But if that person doesn't have a reputable character, we won't trust them. If they don't have a reputable character, we won't trust them. God is patient. God is loving. God is kind. God is just. God is faithful. Psalm 103.8 describes God's character. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. God's ability, God's character. And what about God's promise? Well, God never promised an easy, wealthy life. God never promised an easy, wealthy life. But God did promise his presence. God did promise his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. God did promise that he's already won. Sin has already been defeated. Grave, the grave could not hold him down. We're not fighting for a victory, but we're fighting from a victory. God promised that his grace is sufficient in all seasons of life. 
God promised that whenever you see a rainbow, that was a promise to never flood the earth again. God promised that he would give wisdom for those that ask in James 1.5. God promised that he would give assistance in temptation in Hebrews 2.18. We trust God's ability, his character, and his promise. And I came across this quote, and it said this, Most people believe their doubts and doubt their beliefs. Most people believe their doubts, and they doubt their beliefs. If the devil can make us question or doubt God's ability and his character and his promise, we won't trust him. And I can stand up here today and give you all the reasons to trust God. I can give you personal experience too. But until you actually put it into practice, we will not fully experience the hope God gives to those who trust him. Through those who personally, faith, demonstrated trust in God. You see, trust, it's difficult. But trust in God is not the absence of fear and doubts. But trust in God is choosing to believe that God is good all the time, that he is able to intervene, and his promises are trustworthy, even though we don't fully understand how God will, when he will, but we trust that he will in his time and in his way. Notice what Paul says is the condition to experiencing hope. I pray that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. This word trust is like the word believe. It's faith. It's confidence. It's a reliance upon God. It is a verb. It is an action word. While it is God who provides hope, it's our continuing confidence of choosing to put our trust in God that allows us to experience his joy and his peace. And so what's this joy and peace that is being talked about when we trust in him. Well, this word joy is different than happiness. It's a deep sense that all is right, all is good, that regardless of our situations, there can be an inner contentment. There's an inner contentment. There's a deep sense that all is right and all is good. The result of those who put their trust in God is joy, a cheerful heart, In all seasons of life, we can continue to give thanks. We can continue to look to the Lord. We can continue to be faithful to what God has called us to do because the joy of the Lord is our strength. But God also says that he provides peace. And this peace is not just a symbol. It's not just a nice sunset over the horizon. But it's assurance. It's confidence. And I like this word to describe peace It is being undisturbed, undisturbed. Unlike worldly peace, which is usually defined as the absence of conflict, worldly peace is defined as the absence of conflict, God's peace is assurance that he is still in control in the most troubling of times. You see, peace is like balance on a teeter-totter. On one side, you know, the pressures of life, doubts, 
fears that not only we're thinking or maybe other people are saying too is one side. But on the other side, it's God's calming presence. Pressed down. Keeping us in a state of being calm. Peace. Horizontal. Conflicts and problems are still there. But God's presence helps to balance our emotions. God's peace and his presence helps to balance our emotions. And notice the amount of joy and peace that Paul prays for. He says to fill you to all capacity, a continual refilling as we trust in him. Therefore, if we're lacking in hope, joy, and peace, when did we stop trusting in God? If we're lacking in hope, joy, and peace in our life, when did we stop trusting in God? And if at all possible, we need to go back to that point. Maybe we need to apologize. Maybe we need to humble ourselves and to make the wrong right. What was God asking us to do that initially we said no? You see, we can trust God because he sees things from an entirely different perspective than we do. And he invites us to be patient, to trust and obey, even when we don't fully understand. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And I've often heard it said like this, it's not that our perspective is wrong, it's that our perspective is not complete yet. We haven't seen the full picture just yet. God is working out a plan. And so what does this mean for us today? Well, for many of us, myself included, when things are out of control, we try to take control instead of releasing control. When things are out of control, we try to grab on, we, we try to give some stability to a certain area rather than releasing control to God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still, relax, wait. And know is more than just comprehend, but it's action. It's to let go to let God. Let go, release control to let God. Corey ten Boom is, is, is quoted as saying, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and you trust the engineer. You sit still and trust the engineer. Our third and final point, if we want to experience more hope, joy, and peace, we trust God's ability, His character, and His promise. And our third point is that hope comes in varying quantities from God. Hope comes in varying quantities from God. In the same way that you can have a glass empty, half full, full, or overflowing, hope has a quantity as well. Notice the amount that Paul was praying for for the Christians living in Rome. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflow to exceed the ordinary, an excess, and over above a surplus. And what happens when you overfill something? It spills out. And that's the point that God is making and that Paul is praying for. That the hope isn't just for us, but that it spills out to other people around us. 
Because other people can feed off of our emotions. If we're calm, if we're cool, we're collective, we put our hope and our trust in Jesus, other people are seeing that and they can believe, I can be calm too, I can trust the Lord. But the opposite is also true. If we're fearful, if we're anxious about situations, people feed off of that as well. Therefore, it's important to know what we're allowing to fill us because it will spill out. Jesus wisely said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's this, and it's this idea that if we don't like what is being poured out, maybe we need to change what we're pouring in. If we don't like what is being poured out, maybe we need to change what we're pouring in. And notice the source of the overflowing hope. It's produced by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's produced by the power of the Holy Spirit. It comes from this Greek word dunamis, which means force. That's where we get the English word dynamite. It's God's strength. It's his empowerment to live a pure and a holy life. It's his enablement for effective service to tell people about the God of hope. Remember, joy and peace are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and health and self-control. And Jesus said, whoever remains in me will bear much fruit. Whoever remains in me, whoever trusts in me, whoever builds their life upon me, whoever pursues me will bear much fruit. Our experience of overflowing hope is made possible by the Holy Spirit's power. It's not just us mustering up strength. It's not us taking a good run at it. The Christian life is about humbling ourselves. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace, his strength, to the humble. The Holy Spirit's power to work through us. And when we do, we experience a greater quantity of God's hope, joy, and peace to overflow. And so what does this mean for us today? For some, maybe you sense that your cup isn't overflowing. Maybe it's half full. Maybe it's almost empty. Maybe you're not very hopeful right now. There is a solution. You can be refilled. You can be hopeful. You can shine bright by connecting to the source. Connecting to the source, which is God. Because what we connect to, what we pour in, will ultimately be reproduced and pour out of our life. And so what have we been talking about today? Well, we've been talking about how true hope is found in God. And the point is, is that God will not lie, and God keeps his word. However, his timing and in his way of helping may be different than what we expect, but it's always exactly what we need. Go to God and trust his faithfulness to keep his word. Our second point is that hope is experienced as we trust in him. And the point is this, we trust Trusting God is not the absence of fear or doubts, but we trust God in three areas. We trust God's ability, His character, and His promise. And our third and final point, hope comes in varying quantities 
by God. The point is that the more we connect, the more that we surrender, the more that we humble ourselves to God, the greater our faith in God will be, which results in a greater quantity of hope, joy, and peace to overflow to other people around us. I believe we can experience a greater degree of God's hope when we trust in Him. And so here's the challenge this week if you're up for it. I encourage you to do three things this week. The first thing is this. Find a Bible promise that applies to your current setting. Go through God's Word. What has God said that He would do for us? Memorize and write that Scripture down. And remind yourself this week, what has God promised that He said He would do for us? But two, make a list of the character traits of God. What is true about God? What can we expect of God given what He is like? And the third, reflect upon God's power and His ability. His faithfulness through all generations. His blessings throughout Scripture. His faithfulness in your life. His provisions, His protections, His blessings. Feed your faith, starve your doubts. Feed your faith, starve your doubts. And I believe if we do these three things this week, asking the Holy Spirit to guide our thinking and our study, I suspect that you will discover and experience more hope in God to the point of overflowing as we put our trust and our faith in Him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, and we believe that who you are does not change. You remain the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so, Jesus, I pray for your church that regardless of their circumstances that they're experiencing, I recognize that they are real and they come with real emotions. There's real people involved. And so, Jesus, I don't want to downplay that in any way. But your word reminds us to not be anxious about any situation, but to present our requests to you to release control, to humble ourselves. And your promise in Philippians 4, 6 is that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And so, Jesus, I pray for your peace that surpasses all understanding. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to feed our faith and starve our doubts that when Satan comes at us, we can remind him of the promises of Scripture. We can remind him of God's ability, his, his character, his promise. And we can remind him that we're not relying upon our strength, but we're, replying, we're relying upon the Lord, who's powerfully able to do what he said. And so, Jesus, fill your people with hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.